your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day despite the fact that there's no great big news about new indictments against President Trump. In fact, President Trump says that's fake news. He just sent out a few minutes ago, literally, on his uh, Truth Social um, social media platform. He sent out a declaration that, yes, his attorneys had a productive meeting with the Department of Justice. Isn't that interesting? He says, productive meeting. Where does that go? We don't know. Uh, there's also a new case of Ron DeSantis being accused of racism because of uh, comments he made about basketball players being superb athletes. No, that's really what he talked about. This is on MSNBC. Will there be an apology? Because they basically distorted what Ron DeSantis said. We will get to that issue. Uh, there's also uh, Carl Rove writing today that uh, the no labels operation which uh, is uh, talking more and more seriously about a, uh, a nomination for Joe Manchin for president of the United States, how this is not just a threat to uh, Joe Biden, and it clearly is, but, uh, says Karl Rove, it's also a dire threat to Donald Trump. How? Uh, we will get to that. Uh, there is a a Republican congresswoman who has uh, talked about sex with her fiancé at Tim Scott's prayer breakfast. This is an item of some controversy. And meanwhile, good news about the economy. Uh, it's a, a weird, complicated picture, but the GDP, uh, the gross domestic product, grew at a much higher rate than people expected or than it's been growing. It grew at a 2.48% rate pace. And though uh, we were speaking yesterday to Vivek Ramaswamy on the show, and he was claiming that the economy generally in America, if you look at the overall history of it, it grows at a pace of about 4%. So it's still not doing as well. But uh, the stocks have had their uh, best streak since uh, 1987, with 13 days in a row of the stock up, uh, stock market up. The Dow Jones, I don't think, is going to be holding on to that today. Uh, last time I checked, it uh, the market was down by, uh, well, it's 223 points right now. So that probably will be broken but are we going to be heading toward some kind of recession as everyone expected or will we get the soft landing that uh, the economic planners seem to want we'll talk about that with peter coy of the new york times we'll also be speaking to michael goodwin of the new york post who has a column today about how the events yesterday regarding hunter biden and the end of his what's called his sweetheart plea deal, uh, which just fell apart. And it's going to be at least another month until they put it back together again. Uh, Michael Goodwin will talk about why this could be the end of Joe Biden's campaign. 
And that's not a question of he, he no longer has a chance to win. It's a question of uh, will he run? Uh, the age issue intensified by uh, an episode today following yesterday's episode with uh, Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate. Uh, today, another U.S. Senator, uh, Dianne Feinstein, who's 90 years old. It's painful to listen to, but we will share it with you. Whenever there is an inc- incident with a prominent politician a stumbling or fumbling because of age, uh, that's a bad thing for the Biden campaign, isn't it? On one eight hundred nine five five seventeen seventy six, the uh, uh, meeting yesterday that was supposed to validate in federal court the plea deal between the Department of Justice, uh, which is controlled, of course, by Merrick Garland and by President Biden. Uh, that Department of Justice had worked out a uh, plea deal, complicated plea deal, for uh, Hunter Biden. And that was, uh, as a hope for the Democrats, going to put the Hunter Biden issue to one side, despite the fact Republicans are going to continue investigating him no matter what. But Jonathan Turley, a legal scholar from George Washington University Law School, uh, was on Fox, and he was talking about how the judge, Mary Ellen uh, Norieka, in this Hunter Biden case, she actually raised the question the White House fears most. Uh, listen, this is clip three. Is that the judge read it and said, what is this? And part of the obligation of the court is to make sure that the defendant and the government are very clear on what the agreement means. And they weren't. And it broke down with the most basic questions. That was what was so surprising here is that these are the types of questions as a defense counsel you work out with prosecutors in advance. But she basically asked one question and the whole darn thing fell apart. And so the question now is where do you go from here? It's like a wedding where both the bride and the groom objected. (laughs) And everyone else is sitting there saying, wait, how did we get here and where do we go from here? Okay, Uh, and they have 30 days to figure that out. But during that 30 days, there will be consider, uh, con- continued exploration in various House committees uh, that are run by Republicans, because the Republicans control the House, uh, of some of these questions, because the plea bargain deal only had to do uh, for, for Hunter Biden with uh, back taxes and his back taxes was on uh, some foreign income, and it wasn't a question about the plea bargain, apparently, whether or not he was going to be liable for not reporting that foreign income, which could be as much as $1.7 million uh, or a total of $17 million, some people are saying. Uh, This is the second comment from uh, Jonathan Turley about how this was supposed to be, about what the situation has now devolved into and why this is terrible news for Joe Biden or his electoral prospects. Uh, Listen. 
answer that well, question. Well, this is a big problem because this was all supposed to be scripted. It was all supposed to be easy. And now it's off script and it's anything but easy because the judge just raised the one charge that the White House most fears, which is the chance that Hunter was a foreign agent. And if he was a foreign agent, the question is foreign agent for who and for what purpose? The president was that purpose. He, if you're influence peddling, it's influence over the president. So if you go for Farah, it's going to bring all of this stuff in, this stuff, including some of these tax counts from 2014 to 2015, that the Department of Justice allowed to run, allowed the statute of limitations to expire. Right. All of that can get bootstrapped into a Farah issue. So the whole purpose of this deal is collapsing as, as, as we're watching it. And it's taken Washington twice. I was on the Hill yeah. talking with members, and everyone was Everybody floored. was in disbelief today. That's right. seeing, yeah. You know, from Capitol Hill to the news stations. Okay, and uh, 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 today, uh, not Hunter Biden. It's supposed to be a Donald Trump issue. But President Trump uh, has on his Truth Social, quote, my attorneys had a productive meeting with the Department of Justice this morning, explaining in detail that I did nothing wrong. I was advised by many lawyers and that an indictment of me would only further destroy our country. No indication of notice was given during the meeting. Do not trust the fake news on anything, exclamation point. Uh, we will go beyond and behind the news and also deal with that fake attack on racism against uh, Ron DeSantis. He's not guilty on this one. We'll be right back on The MedVet Show. Michael Medved show uh, continued controversy concerning the um, now broken apart and uh, inoperative so-called sweetheart plea deal involving Hunter Biden. Uh, U.S. District Court Judge Mary Ellen Norieka, uh, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump, raised multiple concerns yesterday about the specifics of the deal and her role in the proceedings. The uh, overlapping agreements created confusion for the judge, which means confusion for everybody, who said the lawyers needed to untangle technical issues, including over her role in enforcing the gun agreement before moving forward. The collapsed proceedings were a surprising development. This is from the Associated Press in the years-long investigation and a resolution that had been carefully negotiated over several weeks and included a lengthy back and forth between Justice Department prosecutors and Biden's attorneys. Uh, that's uh, Hunter Biden's attorneys. Uh, Republicans are pursuing their own investigations into nearly every facet of Hunter Biden's life, including his foreign payments and uh, the House Oversight Committee Chair, James Comer, said District Judge Noriega did the right thing by refusing to rubber stamp Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal. 
Uh, but let's be clear, Hunter's sweetheart plea deal belongs in the trash. Uh, Wednesday's hearing quickly veered into confusion with Hunter Biden at one point answering yes when asked if he was pleading guilty of his own free will before later pulling back in moving forward with a plea, which is not guilty. Now, what what's astonishing about all of this is the real question, and we'll get into that with uh, Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, who's joining us coming up. But uh, if there is any indication at all here that uh, President Biden himself benefited from some of these questionable uh, deals, and particularly foreign deals, that Hunter pursued, this is all during the period of time that Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. And there are associates of Hunter Biden. Uh, there's this uh, fellow, Bobolinsky, who uh, you may remember, he sort of dropped out of the news, but he had said that Hunter Biden had told him that we have to, when we're making our deal with China, we have to reserve 10% for the big guy. Now, who was the big guy? And could that just be Hunter Biden blowing air, uh, saying things to make it look like he had his father signed on when he did not? And that's the position of the Biden administration right now, is that when they uh, have a WhatsApp of Hunter Biden talking to one of his foreign associates and saying, my father is right here, and he's going to be really angry. He's sitting right next to me. He's going to be really angry uh, if you don't come through with a payment that you have promised me. And, uh, of course, if that were true, that would be disastrous for the president. It would indicate a, a level of corruption that... Uh, that actually would end his campaign, I think would get him to withdraw from the campaign. Uh, but the point is, it's very possible, and the, I think, general assumption of people have looked at these particular charges, that this is just Hunter, who is not a reliable source, well, of anything, and certainly not of information. In other words, he is uh, trying to impress one of his colleagues by saying, well, we're going to be giving some of this money to my father because that makes it sound like a better, more viable deal. But there's no indication that his father actually received that money at all. They actually did a fact check at CNN because uh, President Trump had said in passing that Joe Biden had made $1.5 billion on one of these deals and the fact check indicates that there's no evidence at all that anybody has yet that Joe Biden actually received anything. But at the same point, if if there is, in fact, guilt about the Justice Department under Biden's control since he's become president, dragging on this investigation of his son and not uh, uh, treating his son as any normal American would be treated, but treating him with kid gloves, which I guess is more of what you'd expect if you're the, the son of the president of the United States, uh, 
that would be an indication of special favoritism and corruption and uh, special privilege for the very troubled son of the uh, commander-in-chief that would be disastrous, just disastrous for uh, his campaign. Uh, meanwhile, the other aspect of the campaign has to do with uh, some of the, the uh, talking about uh, the impact of uh, third-party candidates. Uh, there was a lengthy interview uh, recently with Cornell West, who is now running as the Green Party candidate for President of the United States. And uh, again, in a close election, if Cornell West wins uh, two or three percent of the vote, it's, it's a devastating to Joe Biden. But uh, then again, there is this uh, question about, well, what about the no-label situation? There's a new column in USA Today, which we will get to, by Joe Manchin, which makes it certainly seem like he is a candidate for president, potential independent candidate for president. And uh, the... The idea that that would actually hand the automatic victory to uh, uh, to Donald Trump, uh, a lot of people believe that because mostly, of course, Joe Manchin would take uh, votes away from uh, Joe Biden. But the uh, Carl Rove actually has a column today, which we'll also get to, that says that there's actually reason to believe that. Uh, that uh, a, a mansion campaign or a no labels campaign would be a threat to Trump. Uh, he writes, it isn't only Democrats who should worry if no labels succeeds in getting on every state's ballot as a third party presidential option. If Donald Trump becomes the GOP nominee, Republicans should be biting their nails too. As I wrote last week, for Democrats, the danger is the two key voting blocks, blacks and young people, aren't very enthusiastic about President Biden and could be attracted to a third party. Known labels could also snag defectors from Hispanics, Asian Americans, and suburban voters. Enough to win? Hardly. Uh, what about the prospect of Biden withdrawing in a different Democratic candidate? We'll talk to columnist Michael Goodwin of the New York Post coming up. If we've learned anything from recent news, it's the... And on the Michael Medved show, uh, obviously a bad day yesterday for Hunter Biden uh, because the assumption had been he had a deal all made. He was going to avoid jail. He had already paid most of his back taxes. There's a question about some thousands of dollars that need to be paid. But uh, basically, he could put all the scandal and the public attention behind him. Well, not so fast. Michael Goodwin, uh, columnist for the New York Post, has a very persuasive column that I think makes it clear that this is simply not an issue for Hunter Biden. It's very much an issue for Joe Biden, even if there is no proof that he actually took money. Uh, Michael Goodwin, thank you for joining us. You write that the spectacular collapse of the sweetheart deal of the century 
isn't just bad news for Hunter Biden. His father's political prospects will also suffer a major hit. You're even raising the possibility, as frankly I did yesterday when this news came up and we talked about it on the air, that this might mean that uh, Joe Biden abandons his presidential reelection campaign. Why do you think it's that serious? Well, look, I think that the evidence that we've seen so far, thanks to the House Republican majority, uh, is going to keep coming. There's there's no end in sight. Uh, I mean, we had, with the whistleblowers, for example, very clear evidence uh, presented publicly that the case against Hunter Biden was obstructed by the Justice Department. They, they wouldn't let them see certain, they wouldn't let them see the laptop, for example. Other evidence was kept from them. They, lawyers tipped off the Biden family about, about a search warrant. I mean, I don't know how these things aren't crimes in and of themselves uh, to obstruct a, a federal investigation that way. Um, but, but I think that that's not the end of it. You've already had also the uh, bank records that uh, were subpoenaed. And once, because Congress has a subpoena power now, because Republicans have subpoena power, they are bringing in these uh, witnesses who are talking about not only Hunter Biden, but Joe Biden. And the report uh, that Devin Archer, a former partner of them, is going to say to Congress that uh, Joe Biden was routinely on phone calls with Hunter Biden's clients when Joe was vice president. Now, I don't know whether you saw today, the White House has changed its line. It used to be for years that Joe Biden never even discussed his son's businesses with him. Yesterday, the White House started saying, the president was not in business with his son. So they've, they've moved a long way. And I think Tony Bobolinsky says he was in business with his son. So there's already, I think, movement in this direction. I think there is going to be clear evidence at some point that Joe Biden got money, that he participated. Uh, I don't know what more evidence you would need to conclude that he is compromised, that he took money from China, from Russia, from Romania, from Ukraine, and therefore is compromised. He will be impeached. And I, I think it's very hard to see how he runs uh, as a candidate, given his age, his frailties, his poor record, his low approval ratings. I think it all adds up to, Joe, it's time to go back to Delaware and enjoy that basement. Um, because I just don't think that the Democrats can, can muster enough support for him. I mean, polls showing that more than half of the party doesn't want him to run. The youth vote, which is crucial to Democrats, young people are particularly strong in, in wanting someone new. So I just think that you add this on top of all of those things, and it, it looks to me like this is a ticket to Palookaville that he just has to at some point say, I'm not going to run. Okay, the, he, here's the, the complicated thing, it seems to me, Michael. 
is that uh, what is the timing? What do you hear about the timing that Kevin McCarthy is bringing forward about impeachment? There's also a question of what precisely uh, are the grounds for impeachment? Would the main charge be interference uh, in the uh, judicial proceedings against his son, that he was uh, trying to give special protection, uh, special support to, uh, to his son during the midst of a federal investigation, federal investigation which, by the way, began under the Trump administration. Who, uh, who also assigned uh, David Weiss, who's now questions about him and how vigorously he's pursued this. But this has been going on for five years. Shouldn't we have been able to get some kind of answer on Hunter Biden in less time than five years? Absolutely. And I think what we saw yesterday was this corrupt bargain that uh, the U.S. attorney from Delaware, David Weiss, who has been handling this case for five years, uh, that he's corrupt, that, that he is pulling his punches. Now, it may be that he thinks he lacks authority, but the commentary from lawyers and, and legal scholars about the structure of the plea agreement suggests that this was this was a crooked deal that they tried to fool the judge into approving a deal that would have given Hunter Biden immunity, not just settling the, the crimes that they were presenting that he was pleading guilty to. Uh, and they would argue for no jail on the gun and the two tax, but that he would have immunity from all crimes uh, that he had committed. I mean, that no one discussed that. No one said that publicly. That was never raised anywhere. Um, and so I think that this is the Justice Department has been an obstacle all along to the truth. And I, I believe that uh, an impeachment inquiry, uh, I, I think it's premature to say at this to ask at this point what would the charges be. I, we don't know, obviously, what what counts, what articles would be drawn, but uh, an inquiry is the beginning of of a focused investigation of, on impeachment articles. Um, it's not the end. So uh, I think what and and to me, Michael, what what this would entail would be you've got. James Comer's oversight, you've got um, Jim Jordan's uh, judiciary, you've got several other committees out there doing th things about Hunter and Joe Biden. My guess is that this would somehow be centralized into a single impeachment committee, select committee, uh, that would take on these and only these issues. Uh, and they would then commence with hearings and at some point draw up, if, if they go forward, draw up articles of impeachment based on the evidence that is gathered in, the, in that hearing or in those hearings uh, by this select committee. That's my yeah, but reading did, did, we're talking about a very about. We're talking about a very real prospect of simultaneously uh, going through uh, impeachment proceedings against uh, President Biden 
at the same time that President Trump is uh, facing, uh, well, who knows how many different legal proceedings against him, uh, both, both of which are going to be very time-consuming for these two elderly gentlemen who are likely to be our nominees of the two major parties. Uh, Michael Goodwin, his column on the implosion of the uh, plea deal and the nail in the coffin of Joe Biden's campaign, uh, that from the New York Post, it's posted on our website at michaelmedved.com. We will be right back. We need to deal with the truth. The Michael... And on the Michael Medved show, uh, nobody, nobody knows really the shape of this presidential campaign, especially when you have both of the front runners, uh, both uh, Joe Biden, who has uh, only, it's really only token opposition. I don't think anybody really believes that even though Robert Kennedy Jr. is registering about 20% support, among Democrats because they want somebody else other than Biden. But uh, he's not going to be the nominee, Robert Kennedy Jr. And uh, Joe Biden now being threatened by impeachment, by legal proceedings against his son that may draw him in, uh, that have increasing chances that uh, President Biden himself would be drawn in. Can you imagine the situation if it, it comes to May of next year and uh, there is at least one trial going on involving uh, Donald Trump where there's a prison term at the end of it, at least potentially, and then there is also an impeachment trial going on uh, regarding President Joe Biden that both of the candidates would be the question would be, OK, which guy is going to end up being uh, avoiding conviction? And it's possible neither of them will, though it's it's very unlikely. And this is why impeachment is such a dicey idea. And uh, Michael Goodwin brought it up. And of course, Kevin McCarthy has been talking about it. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is. The, you need two-thirds of the U.S. Senate. So even if the Republicans got, let's say, three Democrats or five or ten uh, to come over to vote to remove President Biden from office, ten uh, Democrats means that uh, that's 59 votes. You need 67 and uh, the the idea of another failed impeachment, another meaning you go back to both of Trump's impeachments, both of which failed, the Bill Clinton impeachment failed. Uh, this is this is a a scary time for the country because also the ability to settle budgets, the ability to fund our military, the ability to deal with foreign crises, uh, with the rising crime rate, with everything else, with the problem with the economy uh, that we have, it's all it's all intensified with these proceedings going on. Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, 
who may or may not be running as an independent of some kind, uh, maybe with a no-labels ticket for president. He has a, a piece, uh, Extremism Controls Democrats, Republicans, and Threatens U.S. And uh, Joe Biden, uh, not Joe Biden, Joe Manchin, pardon me, got to get the right Joe here, uh, Joe Manchin says, I have fully embraced the unique role I play as a centrist because, like so many Americans, I believe that our partisan politics are tearing this nation apart at the seams. This is an opinion piece, an op-ed that he wrote or his staff wrote for him at uh, USA Today. And he says, and like so many Americans, I'm sick and tired of it and that's why I spoke at No Labels event last week in New Hampshire. Uh, let's be brutally honest about the political reality we live in today. The extremes on the left and right now control the Democratic and Republican parties, defining our politics and policy debates. These partisan extremes are in the business of feeding political division and dysfunction every day, and their business is booming. They want America divided because they benefit greatly from it. They want us to see each other as enemies because they feed off of it. They attack our institutions, whether it is our capital, our elected leaders, or our justice system, without caring about the lasting damage it does. Uh... And uh, so why is common sense absent from our policy debates? For starters, he writes, our national debt has reached crisis proportions. We have amassed more than $32 trillion in debt, failed to pass a budget for almost 10 years, and spent more than we raised for 21 straight years. This is not a strategy for success. Neither your home nor your business would survive if it operated this way. Then there's the issue of chronic inflation. And he goes on and talks about that. And then he writes, Americans deserve a different choice. Do we really want Biden versus Trump again? Are there um, people out there listening to me, hearing that question, saying, yeah, that's, that's a good matchup. The Biden versus Trump? <laughs> that, that's hopeful. That's promising. I don't think there are many Americans who would uh, take that position. He writes Joe Manchin here. He, say, um, he says, for the sake of this generation of Americans and the next, our national politics must change. If that does not happen and if we continue to pursue a path that feeds off our present national divisions, we will destroy the nation's future. I will forever believe in the promise of America uh, not the promises of any political party. I believe there is a better way to govern and to lead this nation forward that embraces respectful discourse, debate, and discussion. Uh, being a Republican, Democrat, or Independent does not make you my enemy, nor should it define whom I can work with. The path to solving our nation's biggest challenges does not lie in us screaming at each other, belittling the other, or threatening those who may disagree with us. Some will argue that such a movement is doomed to fail or that two parties have too much power. 
Would you expect those uh, who would lose their power over the political system they have broken to say anything else? While I can't change them, I will continue doing everything I can to help build a common-sense movement that will usher in a new, more hopeful and optimistic era for American politics. Doesn't sound like he's running. And uh, and then Karl Rove has this powerful piece today that uh, this could be a threat to Trump. Now, to be fair, what he says in his column in the Wall Street Journal today, Karl Rove, is he says that um, with more support than the rest of the field combined, Donald Trump remains the GOP front runner. But polling indicates that a lethal number of Republicans might not stick with them in the general election. The June 26 Associated Press National Opinion Research Center poll found 23% of Republicans felt Mr. Trump uh, did something illegal with the classified documents seized at Mar-a-Lago. 29% thought it was unethical, though not illegal. So that's a majority who believe that it's at least unethical. More of these may conclude Mr. Trump also broke the law after the trial begins. What uh, Karl Rove is saying is that if they, at no labels, actually pick not Joe Manchin, but someone who is a, a Republican with a, a somewhat conservative background, say if it's Larry Hogan, who's also been active with, uh, with no labels, the former governor of Maryland, there's no telling who it could be on something like that. Now, that person isn't going to win, but could that uh, individual take more votes away from Trump than away from Biden? Well, it, it depends. I, again, uh, what happened with Bill Clinton, what happened with Donald Trump after they both survived their impeachments? They went up. They went ahead. Uh, the, uh, um, the, the difference here, uh, the divisions between Republicans and Democrats are indeed profound. And I think there is one thing about the, uh, the column that, uh, Joe Manchin wrote and that he throw, threw into the political meat grinder. Yeah, it's true. Uh, among Democrats, more radical people get more attention. Among Republicans, more radical people get more attention. And so what does that mean for the rest of the country? Uh, Democrats are very likely to believe that the U.S. government should take steps to restrict false information online. And what about freedom of speech? We'll get to that and more.